Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. live on Joy 94.9 Saturday afternoon from noon via the live stream at joy.org.au forward slash listen live or tune your wireless in Melbourne to 94.9 FM. afternoon this is techno gaze here on joy 94.9 the show where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics gadgets and technology my name is mark and with me in the studio is Raina. howdy and also in the studio is uh, is michael good afternoon pushing buttons and doing all the technical things oh now i'm excited about this one also in the studio, we we have a, a new special guest. Yes. Um, Who you might have heard of or heard from. Johnny joins us this week. Hello, Johnny. Hi. Jeez, I got a, it sounds like I've got a lot to live up to now. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. We're, we're all relaxed As long here. as you have low expectations, we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've trained everyone to have low expectations <laughs> on this show. Um, so on, on the show today... Uh, we'll kick off with a roundup of the latest in tech news, including a follow-up follow on last week's discussion on disintermediation. Say that word three times really quickly. <laughs> Good backwards. luck. Um, of course, disintermediation specifically on the car hire industry. So we, we talked about the app Uber and their foray into Melbourne, uh, into Australian uh, car hire industry and uh, we thought we'd um, pick, up, pick up on it again. And see what's happened in the last week. We're delving into the gaming world with a new voice, of course. Johnny is joining us um, to talk about excavating ET and the issue of sexism in gaming. Later on, we'll be discussing the banking industry and how it's progressing forward, responding to the threat of card skimming. Some new security measures are being introduced to keep your ATM transactions safe. Now, much, uh, Melbourne's much maligned public transport ticketing system, Mikey, looks oh, to... Uh, everyone's s- favourite topic. Yeah, I know, right? The, uh, they've got some improvements, apparently, uh, with some new gates being installed that will hopefully improve response times. And some social news this week with Facebook enabling more anonymous interactions uh, and uh, Skype introducing multi-person video conferencing. Hang on a minute. (laughs) That sounds familiar. It does because that's exactly what they used to pay for or you used to pay for on Skype and now it's free like, I don't know, a certain other little Google (laughs) <laughs> little Google. Maybe. Little Google. <laughs> a little Google. Goodness me. Now, as always, if you'd like to contact us while we're in the studio here, you can do so by texting us 0427 JOY949. 
You can email us. On air at joy.org.au is how to do that. Mm-hmm. And we are also on the Twitters. <laughs> All over the Twitters. What's the uh, what's the Twitter name, Michael? Technogaze, T-C-H-N-O-G-A-Z-E. Indeed. So do contact us because we like to hear from you if you have any anything to say while we uh, you know discuss the issues that are occurring this week in tech. We'd love to hear from you. The more feedback, the better. Indeed. Now, um, oh, that's right. We we haven't actually introed this, but there was a a bit of a an issue with Internet Explorer discovered this week. Just a wee one. Just hmm. just a small one that's been there for years and years <laughs> and affects every every version right up to six, I think. From right, six. From, from six, six to, to, 10 to 11, 11, yeah. Wow. So the, uh, Microsoft have released a, uh, an out-of-band update, which is code for... Crap, we've got to do something about this, right? That's right, because normally it's uh, Patch Tuesday is the day that you expect your uh, your updates from, from Microsoft. Mm. It's, uh, it's a regular sort of thing, but an out-of-band update obviously is one where they just can't wait. And, of course, um, one of the other things, of course, Windows XP is affected by this. So if you're running Windows XP and maybe Internet Explorer version 6 back then... Um, it's also affected by this bug, so they're, they're still going to fix it. In, in Yeah, that. I was really surprised that Microsoft turned around and said, yep, even though XP is officially de-supported, we will uh, issue a fix for it. That's mm. right. So I guess they realise that there are still plenty of people out there using it. <laughs> but, I mean, it's like, no, we're not going to support you. No, you have to upgrade now. No, oh, actually, never mind. Well, we'll just help you out. I mean, what's that supposed to say? Mm. Now, what, what was the bug exactly? How did um, it's flash? It's, flat, it's a combination of IE and Flash, right? So um, it doesn't affect things like uh, Firefox or Chrome. Yep, because different browser. Uh, but it's that combination. So as well as doing a uh, an IE fix, I think you should also go to the latest version of Flash. Oh, another version of Flash. Thirteen dot zero zero dot six zero two. That is one of the most <laughs> annoying update processes of my computer, and I'm not even on a Microsoft machine. Well, if you're purely on iOS, you would not need Flash. <laughs> this is true. Or Android. <laughs> Android has, has Flash. No, de-supported Flash. Ah. They, they've found the light, clearly. Yes. <laughs> but we, we do digress, of course. So, if yes, uh, the advice is to make sure that your, your computer, if you're running Internet Explorer, is up to date with the latest uh, status, uh, with the latest updates from Microsoft. So, start your updating engines. Do it right now. Um, now, we talked about it last week. Uh, there's an app called Uber, which is a uh, car hire app. It allows you to very quickly um, jump onto your phone and look for cars in the area that that's, might want to take you somewhere. That's right. So, the way that it was is that you would, or the way that it is still, is that you could get a, a VHA, like a hire car, like a black car. Um, and it costs a little bit more and, you know, you pay through it through your credit card and stuff. But uh, UberX, as they're now calling it this week, although it was Uber Low Cost for a few weeks before Which was that, a bad marketing name, Uber Low Cost. UberX. <laughs> <laughs> Uber Low Cost. Um, UberX is, is a ride-sharing service in that you, you can do the same thing. So you can say, oh, who's, who happens to be driving around who can pick me up yep. and take me somewhere for a cheap amount of money? Mm. And so you it's literally a, like, it could be anyone, right? Yeah, it, it could be anyone as long as you have a car with four doors and it's pretty new and you, your insurance is up to date and all that stuff. Like, they don't just let anyone do it. Yeah. Yep. But with that said, that's still a pretty broad number of people who, you know, as long as you can keep your insurance up to date and your car's not too grody, then by all means... 
you know. Um, Compared become, to being a taxi driver, it's a very low bar of entry, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, a lot of the criticisms about the taxi industry that um, that people have is that becoming a taxi driver is a bit of a low barrier to entry as well. <laughs> I mean, actually owning a taxi is different, but being a taxi driver, mm. um, you know, a lot of people complain about that. So Now, of course, the taxi industry in Australia and even across the world is is pretty well regulated, right? There are certain rules in order for you to be a higher car. Yeah, so higher car in, in, in the sense that we call it in Victoria is a bit different to a taxi. Right. But a taxi is, you know, there are only so many taxis. Um, at, the, at the moment in Victoria, you know, you've got... Um, You've got to have a license. You've got to be registered. You know, there's there's got to be um, rules that, about you know. You get that little card that sits on the dashboard and all that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, which may or may not have your actual face on it. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you should, especially if you're in the habit of um, sitting in the back seat where you can't quite see the driver's face. Yep. Always look at the driver's card. Right. Is my, my hot tip for anyone. But anyway, you've got your card, you've got your license, you've got certain rules about, you know, you're allowed to ask the driver to put the aircon on or turn the radio off. Or a lot of other things that are true in Victoria and, of course, regulated fares. Mm-hmm. UberX, maybe not so much. Yeah, because the, the bar of entry for UberX was really just around um, having just comprehensive insurance. I, I presume that taxis would have an extra type of insurance that, that's not really your typical personal Insurance. Well, right? they've they've been regulated a certain way, um, and it's it's not just insurance. Like it's there's a lot of other things. You know, they all have a number on them and, and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, and of course, as as you know, in Victoria, um, you know, all our cabs have to be the same colour, yes. and they have to have you know the cab number in in you know a, a legislated wow. size and all all that other stuff like that. So, um, yada yada. Now in in Sydney, of course, what's happened is that. Um, uh, Uber was like, hey, guys, we're going to um, get amongst this ride-sharing thing. Yep. And uh, the New South Wales government this week said, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Not and, so fast. And Uber said, whatever, <laughs> and, and launched anyway. So uh, we'll see how that works out. Yeah, so they, they, the New South Wales Transport Department has, um, has come out, uh, according to the um, public, uh, Pass- Passenger Transport Act, apparently. That's uh, right. Drivers under the service need to be properly accredited, Um, and the transport minister has been sending uh, mixed messages about uh, about this particular uh, option from Uber. Mm. Um, But yeah, this week sort of came out on the on the offence. Yeah. But if the um, if the government or the transport department do take them to court, their um, drivers are liable to get a fine of up to one hundred and ten thousand dollars for contravening the act. And what would be interesting is to know whether it would be the Uber driver or Uber themselves that would be fined? Well, that's the thing. So um, in other markets where this has happened, now I don't know about Australia and I'm not a lawyer and I don't play one on radio, but um, what's happened in other markets is that when drivers have got in trouble, Uber has said, oh, that's a shame, you're out on your own. Lovely. And, and it's been pretty bad problems. So there was, there was a young girl that was hit and killed by a driver. Um, there have been assaults against passengers by Uber drivers. Mm. Um, and in a lot of those cases, Uber has said, not our drama. So... It, you can see why you can see why governments feel that the um, there should be some regulation. Obviously. That's, that's, that's exactly that's the right. reason why the regulations exist. Perhaps wonder yeah. what will happen by next week. Well, we'll oh, see. We'll soon find out. I and, guess. and in Victoria as well. Now you are listening to Techno Gaze here on Joy ninety four point nine. Um, in a few moments, we're going to delve into the world of gaming. Um, it's been a topic that we kind of gloss over 
in most cases. But this week we've got an extra special expert on the topic. Johnny, of course, is here to... Yep, here to help you out. <laughs> ...help us out in all the gaming news. We'll be back with that in a few moments. All day, every day. Joy 94.9. On air and online at joy.org.au. Yes, jump on to joy.org.au to uh, see all the podcasts. And everything else. Pretty much every show that we have here on uh, Joy is podcasted in one form or another. And photos and news items and um, our sponsor directory and our community directory. There's so much great stuff on that site. You can become a member as well through the online membership form. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also do the listener survey if that's still open. It Which sure is. is. Hmm. Well, then we encourage everybody to fill out the listener survey because we'd like to know how you listen to Joy. And I feel feel, in. feel free to give Techno Gaze top marks <laughs> when you're filling out that particular section. Type, type, type. Ten out of ten for Techno Gaze. <laughs> now, um, speaking of scoring, uh, uh, gaming back in the early eighties. <laughs> When Atari was a thing. And a, a what? <laughs> Atari. Atari. Oh, my God. Uh, Steven Spielberg was also uh, a bit of a hit with uh, the movie E.T. Um, uh, having a big success um, back in the very early 80s, I guess. Mm. Now, Steven Spielberg himself asked a guy, Howard Scott Warshaw, to make a game that would ride the E.T. wave. <laughs> it failed. <laughs> it sunk. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, um, it also made tech news this week with an excavation of uh, landfill in New Mexico discovering millions of discarded copies of the 30-year-old game. Now, Johnny Lemon uh, yes. joins us to this week. Um, Johnny is a regular daytime presenter here at Joy. He is also a massive gamer. Uh, he currently has four games on the go, and also hated World of Warcraft, which in my books qualifies him perfectly for Techno Gaze. So that was the intro. Okay, cool. <laughs> Welcome, Johnny. Thank you. I told and that to you in confidence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you're here because every time I want to talk to these guys about gaming, they're like, yeah. Was it? Yeah, that's right. SimCity. <laughs> which is fine, but we can't do it every week. Pac-Man? Pac-Man, yay. Mario Kart. I, I could talk about Atari. I could talk about Mario Kart. I've seen some stuff, you guys. Anyway, Johnny, so, yes. welcome. Thank you. Now, E.T. Um, mm-hmm. was a game back in the 80s, right? Yeah, it was a bit of a blunder. And so the story of how it goes is uh, uh, Atari bought the rights to E.T. because they wanted to uh, ride off the coattails of the movie and uh, release it during Christmas time. But because of the tight schedule, they, had, they gave this guy, Howard Scott Warshaw, exactly five and a half weeks to develop the game and um so he basically gave it a go because spielberg specifically asked for him to do it and um, <laughs> i reckon if spielberg asked me to do something in five weeks i'd try <laughs> yeah you'd, you'd give it a red hot go so he said that he was happy with it with the amount of time he was given however it's been renowned to be one of the worst video games ever created and um of course many yeah. of us may never find out or we would have never found out because a lot of the cartridges that had the game on it mysteriously went missing. 
You can still find a few, I think, because um, mm. what actually happened was they released so many of them. Like they they released it at Christmas time. It sold 1.5 million copies, but they also had 3.4 million in reserve because they hadn't sold those yet. Yeah. So after the initial release, so many people had returned their copies because the game was so buggy and crap mm-hmm. that uh, they had to deal with the loss of that and the return policy as well. And that's actually what implemented return policies nowadays. Huh. So yeah. they didn't actually have a specific one in place for video games until after ET. And um, so, yeah, basically, E.T. sunk Atari. It was one of the, the big reasons why Atari went bankrupt. And um, the following year, they were at a net loss of $562 million, I think. Yeah. Wow. Back in 80s. That's, yeah. That's, that's money. massive, right? Yeah. So, um, what they did was, with all the extra cartridges, they couldn't sell them because in the stores, they, they marked, them down, marked them down five times. The, the recommended retail price when it was first released was $59 US, and they marked it down five times to being less than a dollar, and it still wasn't selling. So, yeah. that's why they had to ship them all off to the landfill. And then this nerdy guy is uh, making a documentary about it and decided to go and dig them up. That's right. Why the hell not? Now, this has been a legend for ages as well. It's like somewhere in the desert, you know, and, and you know, kids growing up now probably have heard about this or whatever and maybe don't mind, but it's like, you know, somewhere in the desert, there's a big pit and it's full of cartridges. In New Mexico, no less, which is, you know, a you place know, where, you where bury alien aliens artifacts, often yeah. turn up, yeah. Mulder and Scully, that sort of thing. <laughs> it's like the holy grail of games. If it was a good game, but if it was like a good game, yes. The cursed game pit. But, yeah. but sometimes things are so bad they get their own life. That's right. Mm, no, anyway, but no, it's finally no. happened. It's finally happened. So, and and he's partnered with Microsoft to make this this documentary. So, yeah. um, so we should probably get a chance to to see it. Mm. I would be actually um, interested in giving the game a go as well. Like, I was watching a few um, videos where people attempted to play the game, <laughs> and um, they lasted typically about five minutes before they gave up in utter frustration. So, yeah. so yeah. this is back in the time when when gaming, like nowadays, we rely on updates to be able to be sent to us over the internet. Yeah, that's right. Um, Very readily. You can even ship a game full of bugs knowing that you will be able to push updates out on 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 the day. day. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I mean, and it's quite often the case where, like, I mean... With my limited SimCity knowledge, <laughs> every no, SimCity totally I'm, that happened, didn't yeah, it? You, yeah. you had like a massive patch the, the first day you installed it. Gigs and gigs of data has to be downloaded to, to keep it up to date. But uh, with this ET game, like it was a cartridge, you mm-hmm. physically got the cartridge, you inserted it into your Atari machine, <laughs> and that was it. And that was it. That's all you had. You, there was no internet. There was no, no nothing like that. And yeah. that, that, you know, sort of highlights the difference between the gaming industry today versus what <laughs> it really does. Yeah, there's there's been some great photos coming out. Of, out of the uh, the dig up as well, and, and you know a couple of photo shoots, and, and obviously the video shoot. Um, mm. You know most of the cartridges, you know they're covered in a bit of dirt. You know going to landfill, they kind of got a bit squashed in there because you know that's what you do with garbage that you're never expecting to dig up in 30 years time, yep. um, etc. But there are a few of them that are shrink wrapped, so you might actually get your wish, Johnny, if you can find one. Oh yeah, I don't. Yay! But then I'll need an NES as well to play it on. Emulation, oh, no, not NES, emulation, my Atari friend. Twenty six hundred. Emulation, you need something hardware device to plug this cartridge into. No, well, I mean, if somebody else can uh, can get the data off the cartridge oh, and distribute it for, for for the benefit of, oh, I wonder oh, what, I the, what the integrity of the bits that are stored on this on these cartridges. Like, how well would it would it last well, over the course it, of it's 30, hardware? 30 years? Because it's it's burnt on a, onto a chip, so I'd say it would be mm. you know unless it's physically damaged, I'm sure it'd still be very good. Well, it can happen. I mean, heat can damage them and stuff like that. But that's that's you know everyone knows you can get a. It's this is obviously. So you say that about Nintendo, but um, but you know you can easily say the same about Atari. Oh, do you have a problem with your cartridge? Just pick it up and blow. Yeah, the old good old fashioned blowing it trick to fix it because the the dirt or whatever and the dust would affect the way the game would play, so it would wind up coming all pixelated and stuff. You'd 
take it out, blow on it, and it fixes it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, if, if things are making contacts or whatever. Get the sandpaper out to, um, you know, go over the contacts. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yep. And eraser often did the trick, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you're, all you have to do is swipe, get another update. Yes. That's right. So that was, what, 30 years ago? What's yeah, happening today in gaming? <gasps> Super Smash Brothers. Oh, yes. Um, so Super Smash Brothers is coming out for the Wii U this year. Normally I'm pretty excited about Super Smash Brothers because it's such a great game to, you know, get a few mates around, have a few have a few Coca-Colas or whatever, and a couple of fizzy drinks, <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, a bit of, bit of red cordial or something like that, and then beat the absolute pizzle out of each other. Right. And, um, um, so typically they were developed by HAL Laboratories, which yeah. was um, a Nintendo-exclusive studio, which also did the, the development for later Kirby games, uh, which is very family-friendly, but this time around it's being given off to Team Ninja, who was infamous for the Dead or Alive games. And what they've actually done is they've given um, Samus Aran, one of the Nintendo iconic game characters, um, basically her regular model is um, she always wears a spacesuit, but there's also a different version of her called Zero Suit Samus, where she's out of the suit and she's a blonde chick and all that sort of stuff. And she looks relatively normal in the older games. Um, but this time around, they've given her a bit of a revamp and uh, they've made her waist very tiny, her boobs quite pronounced. Oh my goodness, you're joking. And they've also given her some rocket-powered high heel stilettos. Team Ninja, I'm surprised. Hmm. No, it's it's look, I'm so not surprised. The um look, she's had she's had heels before. Um and and stuff but uh it's just really kind of it it makes me feel really uncomfortable. Mm. Right? And and a lot of a lot of people talk about sexism in games and stuff like that. Oh, but she's sexy. She's not, you know, being sexually whatever. But mm, it's very male gazy. It's it's. I the- want equality in uh, gaming characters. If the male characters can also put on these rocket uh, stilettos, <laughs> we're fine, right? Like, does that is that what? No, wait. Actually, well, maybe the stilettos shouldn't exist in the first place. This is the thing. Like, I mean, and I get what you're saying, but one of the things that often comes up in this conversation is, oh, but male characters are sexually objectified too. Look at this picture of, you know, such and such with his shirt off or whatever like that. But mm. the difference there is, I mean, the, the rocket, okay, the rocket boots are not really an example of this. <laughs> Would you like some? I, we'll see. But it's more that, um, you know, when people say, oh, but, you know, I want men to be objectified that as well. Like, it's fair. Like, why can't it be women? Mm. When men are objectified that way, it is a male sexual power fantasy. It is about them being powerful and it's about them attracting the girls and stuff like that. It's not the same as being objectified. Yes. Right. I actually tend to find that the male characters, when they're... I mean, it's all a fantasy, right? So the Yeah, and it's not necessarily good. It's just... Yeah. So the idea of the fantasy of the women is to make them particularly sexual and... uh, But the majority... Subordinately so. Yeah. And the majority of gamers uh, who are male and straight... uh, when they play the male characters, they're, they're I wouldn't consider them sexy. They're just like big muscle machines. Like they're they're that's the, right because uh, it's a power trip thing. Yeah, it's a power thing, and it's a it's it's that sort of thing. So when um, when it does become sexual, it's in the sense of you know they they're attractive in a in a way that dudes possibly feel like they need to be in order to pull the birds. Yeah, so you it's know, um it's... who they want to be, and the female characters are who they want to be with. That's right. Yeah. Perhaps it also reinforces certain stereotypes. Yeah, not stereotypes, but um, inequalities in in general society as well. Well, exactly. It's um, a lot of the time when you have like fighting games are absolutely chronic for this. Um, you know, you have these sorts of you know, yeah, girls can warp us, but only if you know they're 
jiggling. Know, jiggling. Yeah, basically, yeah. yeah, that's basically it. And a lot of the time as well, you know, there'd be cutscenes or whatever. It's all like, you know, here's, here's so-and-so, you know, sucking on a lollipop or whatever. Like, mm. wow, come on. If a male character was sucking on a lollipop, what would that... What would that mean? I think that would be played for comedic effect if it was a male character. Yes, because boys can't do cutesy girl things Mm. without it being, you know, a little bit something to giggle at, which I think is a bit... mm. My problem with this in this case is that um, Zero Suit Samus is a character that's in a game full of other Nintendo iconic characters. So she's the only one that's actually really being sexualized. All the other ones are just like Kirby, Mario, you know, none of them are sexed I'm up. trying to picture sexy Mario and yeah. I just, uh, <laughs> nice plumber crack. <laughs> but no, you're right. She's, and, and it's really disappointing because she was, and, and one of the earliest characters, like Metroid, right? Mm. The whole series is, you know, she's, she's this powerful, like even even at the very first game in that franchise, it's like you know here's his character in a suit, and oh surprise at the end, it's a woman. Yeah, that was that brilliant. Was, what an amazing reveal that was for mm. that time, right? And and she's such a symbol of of you know positive um, depictions of female characters, and it's just the later we get, the more you know you see her getting out of a suit, maybe you know, getting yeah. a little bit more top heavy and a little bit middle not heavy <laughs> yeah it was um i think uh. it started when um the metroid prime games done by retro were all sort of uh it didn't matter who was inside the suit because you were just inside the suit and you were killing aliens and all that sort of stuff but when it was handed off to team ninja for metroid other m that's when they gave her a voice and they showed her off like they tried to put her out into a narrative story and give her a voice and make her a character outside the suit as well and that's when things got a little bit too uh, she became. They wanted to make her a woman, but they made her a little bit too feminine. And I think they tried to make her real, but she just wound up crying all the time and looking sexy other times. Yeah, yeah girls really can do odd. that if you know. But that's but yeah. That was one of the criticisms of the game when it came out. Was just like I just want to play as Samus, yeah. not Samus crying. She's a bounty hunter, not you know. I don't. Well, I can't say that. It's going to be rude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Say, no, it's not. Yeah, mm. we just we've actually just had a text uh, from listener Matt, um, and the text says. Sorry, the email says, Dead or alive, extreme beach volleyball. This stuff has happened for years and needs to stop. Even sports games do it. Where's the W League or WNBA? Good question. Right. Gee, yep. I, haven't, I can't remember ever playing a sports game with women. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. They should let, let, uh, make a Socceroos like hockey game with women. <laughs> Socceroos hockey game. Yeah. <laughs> Crossover appeal. Oh my God, I just realized what I said. My bad. <laughs> We, no, that'd be great. I love this. <laughs> we talk sports here on Techno Games. <laughs> totally. See, Stop games talk. I'm okay with, sports not so much. <laughs> oh, bless. Now, it is um, it is half past midday here on Techno Games on Joy 904.9. Mark, Rayner, Johnny and Michael with you today. We will be back with more in a few moments. Joy, Joy. Techno Games here on Joy 94.9. We're talking about gaming here. It's, we don't often talk about gaming, but we are today because Johnny is with us and Johnny brings a bit of authority to the chat. I play games. <laughs> I play a game and that's... I play lots of games, just not World of Warcraft. I play games and I'm, I'm finally glad that I can talk about it without boring you two to death. <laughs> I was going to say, well, Johnny's, a game. Yeah, I can see your listening. eyes glazing over my <laughs> games. <laughs> yeah. Games are good. Actually, when you find a good game, it's really good. Oh, I tell you, speaking of good games, yes. oh my goodness, one of my favourite franchises ever is Mass Effect. Right. And we have had some Mass Effect 4 news this week. Yeah, that's no. right. So uh, one of the, one of the uh, developers was asked on Twitter um, how far into development they were with um, Mass Effect 4. 
And uh, he said, well, they're neither early nor late, then they're somewhere around the middle. So it's actually definitely happening. <laughs> that sounds That's so vague. I know, but That's... it's news. We'll take whatever we can get when it comes to Mass Effect. Oh, my goodness. Um, what's the poop? So it's... The scoop. Um, the everything. The rumour is that it's not going to feature Commander Shepard, who was, of course, the protagonist of the first three games. Yes. And without giving away the ending for anyone who still hasn't played it, yep. if you're one of the five or six people who, who was living under that rock, um, it would be pretty hard to keep Shepard in, I think. Right. But, but a lot of other things as well. Yeah, so um, the the general gist of the of the news was that basically the next Mass Effect game is going to be well, it's in the same universe, of course, but it's going to be happening separate to what the main trilogy storyline is. So, in the main trilogy, they have this long arcing... If you don't know what Mass Effect is, it's this trilogy of games, which was on Xbox and then later ported over to PlayStation 3. Mm-hmm. couple and, hundred years in the future. Yep. And it's a sci-fi um, spaceship opera kind of thing. It's real good. Yeah. Maybe not spaceship even... Spaceship soap opera. There's a bit of soap opera, yeah. yeah but definitely. it's it's just it's this really lovely sort of, you know, um epic sort of trilogy. I'm and starting to get interested in this. Yeah, good. the oh. big pull of this game oh, was that um, <laughs> the big pull was that you could create your own character. So you were in charge of um you were always Commander Shepard, but you had control over what his or her face was. You could play as a male or a mm-hmm. female, and both options had voice acting. And their background as well. So you could say, oh, is, is my Shepard a war hero? Is my Shepard a, a tragic, you know, survivor of a disaster? Like, lots and lots of different right. things. And so throughout the game, you're presented with a bunch of opportunities to make choices of whether somebody survives or somebody dies, or, you know, mm. if you want to save somebody, if you want to let them... You know, you could basically be, it was a good guy, which is a paragon, or a bad guy, which is a renegade. So you could potentially play as either one of those. And the choices that you make in the first game carried over into the second game, which carried over into the third game. Yeah. So it was essentially like a choose-your-own-adventure, which carried across all three games. Mm. And the big controversy controversy was that when you actually got to the end of the third game, um, they, they hyped it up to say that all your choices would matter, but you were essentially given a choice out of four options, which were all pretty much identical yeah which i wasn't really surprised about to be honest and i've, I've had massive arguments with mates over this before but it's like it, it was always going to be the same yeah it was always going to be the same and you could tell that it was always going to be the same it's like you know yeah my shepherd was you know a bit of a bit of a bum kicker and you know um had a lovely romance with one of her crew members and stuff like that which is such a hallmark of of bioware games um mm. stuff like that but at the end of the day there was always going to be an outcome that had to end the series yeah and there would be no way way to tie everything an individual player had done up into one specific ending without making you know dozens and dozens and dozens of different types of endings yeah which was a bit cheeky of of bioware when they said oh yeah like massive wildly different endings and it's like Mm. "Mm, yeah and the implementation was was a bit poor as well like the actual if you think about the implications yes great the actual execution made us a bit sad but you know um mass effect 4 rebooting the series a bit yeah. yeah and it should be pretty interesting so um you know the whole mechanics and everything it's gonna be running on uh, the frostbite engine the frostbite 3 so um that's quite a, a recent and powerful uh, bit of development so that's what battlefield 4 runs on at the moment and that always looks really good so if it's rebooting the series does that mean that there's going to be four to seven <gasps> or four to six oh, i should say I hope as so. the next trilogy reboot oh, hopefully um, don't think they've gone into that far of detail yet. Because no. we're not entirely sure what it's going to be, if it's going to be the same formula as the first three games or if they're going to deviate and do something completely new. So. Yeah, make it a bit more action yeah. or a bit less or I don't know. Um, there's uh, a bit of a rumour that it would be um, 
that the the rest of the series will be re-released on the Xbox One and the PS4 as well, which is pretty good. So they're obviously pretty invested in mm. in the franchise and expect it to carry on for some time. So do you think it might be ready for this year's Christmas stockings? Oh, I don't know. I don't I reckon. doubt it. You know what will be, though? or well before Christmas, is uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, which is the third one of their other big franchise at the moment. Yes. <laughs> which I'm pretty excited about. Um, for those not to know, um, Bioware is typically um, well-renowned for including same-sex relationships in games, specifically for Mass Effect and Dragon Age. So you're allowed to have... Um, allowed? Well, yeah, they permit you. You're, you're permitted to have a relationship you, with someone Bioware. of the same sex if you want to. And that's why I first love these games. But Dragon Age is one of those... Um, I kind of think it think of it as a bit less than Mass Effect. Yeah, it's look, I don't it's know a your different. On it. It's a different game. It's a Western RPG for one thing, so it's it's a very particular sort of taste or sensibility. You know, I think mm. a lot of a lot more people can get behind Mass Effect um, and the relatable characters and you know aspirations about the future as opposed to Dragon Age, which is in a different world. There are dragons, obviously, um, not many. You know, there's magic. There's you know all that sort of sort of fantasy novel stuff. Right. So there's been two games already, and the general consensus was that the first game was a bit of a hit, and the second game was a bit of a bust. So- mm. Yeah. yeah, it's um, the third one. I think I think uh, a lot of the things that people said that were robust about it were you know simplified um, simplified combat, which they didn't really love. Um, lots of reuse of environments, which they didn't really love. But story wise, was really powerful. Mm. So hopefully, uh, Inquisition will be um, a little bit stronger that way. Yeah, I got to say, I completely lost interest in Dragon Age number two and just didn't even bother. So well, now that number three is coming out, and the new uh, new art, new trailer is oh, the trailer it looks, looks amazing. Sick. It looks it looks amazing. So you can go check that out on uh, Bioware.com. Um, there's loads and loads of new art. Um, it looks pretty amazing, and it's also on the Frostbite engine, so it will look amazing when it comes out. Right. Um, yes. That's our gaming bit. <laughs> <laughs> These guys over here going, oh god. Uh, <laughs> no, I think I I, I love the uh, particularly the the same sex stuff. Like I think it's every. That was my first techno gates with you, wasn't it? it? Was about the same sex relationships in Mass Effect. Yes. Yes, it was. We even had a sample of Caden saying some stuff. Yes. yes. Oh, I wonder if I've got that. Oh. Um, it was anyway. quite um, heartwarming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you called it cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, okay. It did sound a bit sort of Mills and Boone, didn't it? I think. <laughs> Out of context, possibly. Mm. Less fun. We do. Uh, I think we should keep this up, actually. I think there's a lot of stuff that happens in gaming. And, you know, when you hear gamers talk together, it's just. Really intriguing. Okay, <laughs> nothing well, else. <laughs> all right. <laughs> there is some other news that's come out um, about Tony Hawk, the infamous, well, not infamous, famous, you know, back in the day, the, the snowboarding game, not snowboarding, skateboarding games, um, which were started on PlayStation 1. And um, it's now moved because, uh, well, it was quite popular for a while back in the late 90s, early 2000s when skateboarding was actually a thing. And then now that's actually <laughs> died out of it, people stopped buying. Some may disagree, but... Yeah, yeah well, I, I see people with skateboards. I'm like, man, that's so 90s. I haven't moved on from grunge either. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, the um, point is that it was quite popular back in the day and then it, the sales just started to plummet. So they tried to reinvigorate the series by releasing a peripheral, with, uh, which is basically your own sort of skateboard that you stood on and used and that was a complete total bust so they released another game uh, to try and take advantage of that which only sold 3,000 copies worldwide so they kind of given up after then but now the new news is that Tony Hawk is actually moving to free to play on mobiles as exclusive yeah and you, you can see why they'd make a decision like that because of course every uh, every man and their dog have um, 
a mobile, mobile phone. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And and a lot of the games that are really um, really powerful and popular on that platform are things that you can sit down on the tram or the train or whatever and just, you know, like Temple Run and stuff like that where you can just sort of, you know, smash out a few things. It's the whole um, casual gaming versus hardcore gaming, isn't it? Like yeah. I, as a non-hardcore gamer, might be more inclined to pick up my phone and use this kind of game because I've just got some spare time. I, I want to occupy my mind while I'm waiting for the train to take me somewhere. Right. Yeah, so I think um, one of the things was the the people that were playing the games tended to be more hardcore because it became quite a niche title. Mm. Yep. And um, now that it's moved to mobile, I think there's been a little bit of backlash about um, it's not the same, you know, you oh, can't casuals. do all the tricks. And uh, I think this article that we have from um, IGN says that it's turned into a bit like a temple run kind of control settings where you, you flip it for two tricks and stuff. And yeah, I mean, but... Because of the the sales plummeting so much, they're having to give it another go and get, do it on mobile without risking the bankruptcy because of releasing new peripheral or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's it's it's hard not to make money on on mobile. It's interesting that they're using this method actually to to reinvigorate the title. In fact, that it's it's not just a you know a, a, a way of yeah. turning a good game into a crappy game. True, but like yeah. Johnny says, you know, if, uh, if, if skateboarding has kind of died out, I mean, there's a whole bunch of people now who'll be looking at that game going, Tony who? Yeah. Mm. You know. mm. This is Technogaze here on Joy 94.9, where we're covering some of the latest in gaming news. Ooh, and other things. And other things. We'll be back with some more other things in a few moments. Technogaze. Joy. Technogaze here on Joy 94.9. And uh, we're talking about tech and the news. Now, this week um, has been a bit of news around ATMs and um, Eastern European crime rings getting their uh, card skimmers onto ATMs, mainly in Sydney... But it's it's happened in Melbourne as well. It happens across Australia. It happens all over the world. Yeah. And there um, are a lot of ATMs that have been uh, adapted so that you can't fit these add-on skimmers to it. But yes. obviously there are some vulnerable ones still left around in Australia. Still around. And uh, Commonwealth Bank have been particularly targeted in, um, in, in a few areas. But... Um, the Commonwealth Bank actually have a solution to this. Very well-timed, I might add, because of the um, the news that's been in the mainstream media this week. This is not a conspiracy theory, is it? No, not at all. But um, uh, their, both their Android and iOS apps will um, uh, will soon have the ability to, um, to make ATM skimming a thing of the past, where in fact you won't need to necessarily use your card to obtain no, money. you will use your telephone. Mm. Mm, that's interesting. So they're currently being, uh, ATMs are currently being upgraded to support uh, a feature where you'll be able to withdraw up to $200 a day in a single transaction. Although um, once this is proven to work, they may in fact increase that limit. So you just pretty much just have to take your phone towards the ATM. Mm. So is this a little bit like right? printing where I think I'm going to print on one printer except it comes out on the other side of the country? Does it, does it mean my money's going to spit out on some ATM somewhere else? Yeah, I'm just going to camp out in front of an ATM and see what happens. No, I think you actually have to be proximally close to it. Like, um, yeah. I th- what are, uh, The way I read it, and um, I think Westpac are also looking at a, a similar thing as well with their mobile phone yeah, apps. Right. But what it is, it's, it's almost like a one-time use pin. So you um, get onto your app, you log on to your banking as, as you would right. otherwise. And you say, I want to withdraw this money. Give like me an a RSA pin. token, right? Yeah. yeah. And in fact, there's some two-factor method to it as well. So um, you get a pin that you have to type in and you also might get a text 
which right. allow, uh, but you'd you punch you'd punch in this one use number on the ATM maybe or something. It, it sounds like that's and then that's cash what falls out. Yeah, it's oh. wonderful. And of course, fantastic. because you're not putting in your pin or your card, you can't be skimmed. Yes. Yeah. They can they can try, but the number won't be useful to them anymore. Yeah, it's a one, it's a one time. It's pretty amazing. Um, I, I get I get a little thingy about using ATMs. I've got to say, like more often than not, I'd prefer to take money out as FPOS or something like that. Sometimes at a place where I can actually see, you know, yeah. the FPOS gear. Like sometimes oh, okay. I'm just a little bit mm, about some ATMs, especially in the city. I think, mm. I think one of the problems with skimming, particularly, is around the magnetic strip. Right, that's that's very readable by very easily obtainable hardware. It is. Now, the reason why we're moving to chip and pin mm. um, a lot of the time, I mean, ATMs um, can use the chips as well, but um, it's uh, the the actual mag stripe, like you said, is, is in use in a lot of ATMs and it's one of the easiest things to copy. So, as long as you have the mag stripe mm. and you have the pin number, you can just sort of image that onto a card. The the chip and pin thing is a little bit different in that it's actually a tiny computer that does a lot of work. Yep. Um, so, in order for them to intercept that 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 computer doing a lot of work, yeah. they would need to do a lot more hardware um, changes to the, to either, the ATM, right? Yeah, either that or they just need to get a bit smarter about how they scam you. So you might, for example, have a cloned card and say, oh, yeah, my chip's worn out, which happens, you know, mm. like your chip gets, you know, coffee spilled on it or whatever it is. Um, your chip can wear out and you can go to, you know, a, a retailer and say, yeah, I'd like a packet of gum and $200 cash out, please. Oh, whoops, I have to swipe so my card doesn't work. Mm. Whoopsie do. But it's um, using the, the card thing will make that even easier. But, I mean, the, the reason why chips like that go into cards is because it is such an easy thing to do. And cards are still a bit of a weak link if I have the card, yep. right? And I happen to have the PIN number, then and in, in that's pretty easy. In authentication or security terms, having something is considered, as in having something physical, is actually considered a, a, a reasonable um, you know, security right. mechanism. The principle of two-factor authentication is something that you have and something that you know. Mm. So a PIN number is something that you know, the card is something that you have. have. Yep. But your phone is something that you have, mm. and you might have a PIN that you use to authenticate on the phone and everything, and then the, you know, the ATM can communicate with your phone, like Bluetooth or whatever. Yeah. Um, so you enter something that you know, and the, the bank gives you something that you have. I think it's a good thing that they're they're looking at alternative ways. You know, it's it's been such an entrenched part of of you know, ever since I guess the branch, uh, the banking branch, you know, went out of fashion, and we didn't have to go to the to a tower to obtain money. Right. Um, these ATMs have pretty much stayed the same ever since then. Like, there's not much... Yeah, there's been a few things that change, but not, not so many of them. And there are apps um, and things like that. Like, that, there's that whole... Um, so, Commonwealth Bank are actually real innovators in this area. So, mm. they had that thing called Kaching where you could actually just sort of give uh, give your buddy a little bump on the phone there and, um, and do that sort of stuff using near-field comms. Yep, yep. Um, so they're doing that sort of thing. They've got a, uh, I think for their MasterCard product now, they've got like a MasterCard proxy thing so you can just stick it on the back of your phone and um, PayWave or PayPass, whatever it is for with your uh, phone. Master, with your phone and a bunch of other stuff like that. Um, their online banking is pretty sweet. Um, I know we sort of bagged them out last week about their uh, lack of prowess in social media, but, um, but certainly a lot of their products are, are getting pretty exciting and a lot of other banks are doing exciting things as well. Mm. Now, also in the space of um, improvements... Cards that you beep? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mikey, of course, is... Um, it's a hot. It's an interesting topic for all Melbournians, isn't it? We all feel very attached to our public transport, <laughs> and um, <laughs> every, everyone's everyone's got an opinion on Mikey. Now, apart from it um, coming in over budget, of course, which is one of the big things about Mikey. It didn't, did it? it did one point four billion dollars? I think, but it was on time, surely. No, <laughs> <laughs> but it's fast, isn't it? 
No. <laughs> no. Have you ever got up to a micro machine, particularly uh, when you're going through the gates at, at, at a station, and you touch your card... And then you start to walk through and you hesitate because the damn gates haven't actually opened yet. You See, know? I don't yes. have that problem, but what I do have is I'll get on the tram and there'll be six people behind me and it'll be raining mm. and I'll have my card on the reader going, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Or, or you know, more often I'm the person behind them going, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. There's, oh, a, there's and people a lot of pressure. That, people that touch off on trams. Oh, anyway. <laughs> I've, I've used a Mikey-like device elsewhere, and as my card was moving towards the reader, it beeped and the gates opened. I've wow. used I've used the uh, Smart Rider in... Is it the Smart Rider in Perth? I've used the Perth one. It's amazing. Now some, and some, Green Card in Hobart. That's amazing. Some say that the reason for its slowness is because of the way it's been designed here. They actually have to do a, a back-to-base transaction or a back-to-base um, communication Not to supposedly. ensure that you are who Paid you up. say you yep. are all all good to go in. So um and, and in fact Mikey tells you how much your balance is. So obviously it does go back to base and say, hey. Well in fact the, the current machines do, but there's some new machines on the way and they're they're going to install them in uh, certain stations, I think uh, Mitcham Station was one of them. Bentley. And Springvale as well. Oh, Springvale. One of all the so they're getting, new stations, right? Yeah, so they're getting new gates. Um, and also Richmond Station. Yes, well, that would make sense. So it's supposed to make it quicker because rather than actually checking for the balance and stuff, it's just going to get a little yay or nay response. Yes. So it'll go beep, beep. or So much to <laughs> right. some people's dismay. That'll be my dismay. Well, you won't see then and there what your what your current balance is, right? But, but they'll use intelligent beeps to tell you if you're running low. But they do that now. I mean, yeah. I don't look at the screen. And this is the they? other thing. Well, not, maybe not intelligent beeps, but they show you via a light. So yeah. when you touch on, even if you don't have time to read the text, which you don't because it flashes up for about a second at my station, right, it either goes beep, beep, or it shows you a yellow light, or, or it's got like a thing that says low balance, or it, or it makes that little raspberry noise. <laughs> whatever it is. Whatever, the the like, siren. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, they do that now. So um, I, I guess that makes sense. But it just drives me nuts because you know, if Mikey was actually, you know, if he had a smart app or something like that, mm. um, if he had a smart app or something like that that could tell you your balance that was actually on time and stuff like that, if you could top it up instantly and do all those sorts of things, then it wouldn't really matter. I'd be quite happy to not see my balance on the screen yep. if that was up to date. But the thing is, you put money on your Mikey, you might not see that for two or three days if you do it online. That's yeah. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's there's a certain amount of slowness all round isn't there <laughs> it's just it drives me nuts one of the things that i actually find really frustrating out in the suburbs particularly the machines that you you touch on within in suburban stations um they're they're often in an exposed um location so mm-hmm. weather wise and quite often particularly when it's when it started raining recently um there's condensation on the inside of the screen so very poorly designed oh, so you can't even read what it says anyway yeah um, which, you know, maybe just setting us up to be able to, you know, transition <laughs> to, nicely to, to the new ones. New ones but so the new ones don't give you the balance, but are they faster? Apparently they're... Where, okay, so... 20% faster. Figure, yeah, 73 transactions per second, uh, per minute they're pr- apparently capable of. How can you do that? You know what they need to make faster is when you actually go to pay through the thing to top up your Mikey. Mm. Oh. When you use an ATM card at those Mikey machines, it takes like... Th- almost two minutes or something for it to actually process. No wonder, it's like, ridiculous, there's, there's huge it? lines there. So frustrating. Mm. I, I, I'm at a man station, so I, I literally, I, will, I, it's, I find it quicker to go to the ATM that is down the road, get the mm. cash, walk up to the cashier and go, can you do this for me? Yeah. Yeah, it's like I, I walk to the station, I see my trains coming in, like, five minutes, and then I know I don't have any money in my, my key. I'm like, oh, well, I might as well just get the next train because I'm not going to make it. Yeah. And we'll have to top up. Another option is to start sort of planning ahead and thinking about, oh, I've just got off a train, my, my key is low, I should 
go to the micing machine. Don't you tell me what to do. No, no. I'm, <laughs> hey, well, yeah, but, if you, but if you're running late, it's a little bit hard to do. It's yeah. a habitual thing, thing isn't it? It's, yep. it's sort of training your, your Look, they've brain. always pressed to get people to do, you know, they want you to buy the one that's, a, you know, a whole year or whatever or, you know, get I a do the auto top. I do the auto top-up. Yeah, the auto top-up's okay. The, the only problem with the auto top-up, again, is that it takes so long for money to get out of your account and actually arrive on your Mikey that by the time your Mikey is down to, say, $8, and it's like, ooh, time to top up. You've already spent that $8 in the next oh, no, two days. You just, you just set it to top up automatically at the $300 mark. <laughs> well, that might help. <laughs> because it takes that long for Money the bags over here. <laughs> now, is, is, this, is this the Mikey rant? Oh. It's as close as, as we can get to the Mikey rant because we are running out of time here on Techno Gaze. Actually, this sounds like a song, the Mikey rant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we could all chorus in on that one. Every Melbourneian has a, has a thing to say about it. Why not it? text in and tell us about it? <laughs> <laughs> now, this is uh, it's six minutes to one here on Techno Gaze. Uh, we're running out of time, so we'll have to wrap up the show shortly. Uh, but we'll do that in a few moments. Techno Gaze. Joy 94.9, we're talking technology mm-hmm. in the giblet world. <laughs> what? <laughs> Please explain. Uh, G- GLBTI, what is it? No, hang on. GLB, GI, no. Wait. GLBTIQ? Yes. And rearranged as giblet? <laughs> how, many, how many eyes are there? It's I an like alphabet quilt bag. soup, right? Quilt bag is my favourite <laughs> at the moment. Speaking of al- alphabet soups, it's going to be uh, membership drive soon here on Joy 94.9. And it's an exciting time of year for, for 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 Joy because this is where we ask you to to become a member, yes, to continue your membership and join uh, us to donate to keep us on air mm-hmm. as well. So because we can't do it without you. Not too far in the in the in the distant future. Not, mm-hmm. Wait, not too far. What in the not too distant future? Thank you. Very soon. <laughs> upcoming, um, and there's going to be some amazing prizes. I can't wait. Yes. I've I've heard little bits here and there. We're we're not allowed to say too much at this time. No spoilers. We yes, we should uh, stay tuned to to all of that. Mm-hmm. Now we are talking tech here on Technogaze, and um, should we talk about uh, oh Facebook? They've introduced a new anonymous type thing where Facebook what's... caring for your privacy. <laughs> Finally. Is that an oxymoron? I think it is, actually. Now, uh, the websites have been able to create user profiles using uh, using your Facebook credentials for quite some time now, but um, there's a new feature that um, they're enabling you to use your Facebook login but remain anonymous to the website still. Right, but obviously not to Facebook, mm, which is, I guess, what they care about. But yeah. in Facebook, we trust. Of course we do. <laughs> no, no, but I do, I do like it because there are times when I have tried to use my Facebook sign-on on a different site and I am worried about what exactly they're going to get to see. Mm. Yeah, and, and in fact, you can see them sort of revealing it sometimes. It's like, you know, um, you can actually see, oh, here are your friends who like such and such. Here are all your, you know, friends who commented on this website, so-and-so shared this stuff, whatever. Like, it's, you know, what aren't you seeing? I'm just tired of them recommending I go on Gay Cruise in the ads, in the personalised ads. Yes. Yeah. As in many... a boat cruise, or actually be a crew on a boat. No, cruise, like on a, on a boat you go on a cruise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But imagine working on one of those boats. I don't want to. <laughs> in <laughs> any but, event. But imagine it. <laughs> uh, okay. Last but not least, Kitty-O. Have you heard of this amazing little device? I think this is fantastic. Me, not being the cat lover, loves the ability to be able to play with your cats remotely and make them go crazy by getting them to shine this little laser dot on the floor that you can control remotely. Remotely controlled laser light. What oh. more could you want? 
I think it's amazing. Do a Google search. We haven't got time to talk about it too much, but, you know, cats love laser lights. Kittyo, K-I-T-T-Y-O. Cat technology. Mm. That's all we have time for today. If you missed any part of the show or perhaps you're looking to peruse previous episodes, you can do so by jumping onto our website, joy.org.au slash technogaze. Coming up next is a nudie foodie. Uh, with uh, cravings. Some really special guests. Yeah. Oh. Master chef, chefs, uh, the, the judges, in fact, mm-hmm. are going to be uh, interviewed today. And, of course, Shannon Gillies is right up in a few moments with a Joy News Bulletin. Thank you uh, for joining me today, Raina. It's such a pleasure. Johnny, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'll hopefully be back again soon. Uh, we hope you'll, you'll be back. It'll be great. You can't um, get rid of me now. Michael... <laughs> Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you next week. Techno Gaze on Joy 94.9. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.